as I was, after I prepared this message, I'm going to tell you, I found a Gallup survey that was published on October the 24th that said that 50% of the people under the age of 45, I want to hear that up front, 50% of the people that were surveyed under the age of 45 said they were very lonely. Realize that. These folks are admitting to the very fact that they are very lonely. Uh, And I will say this to you. What they have not done is they have not made friends. And I can tell you right now, some people think when they have a friend, that's all the friends they need. But I can tell you, you will never have enough friends. You're never going to have enough friends. Let me tell you why. You see, some people are just never going to be your friends in the first place. You can do whatever you want to do, and they're just not going to be your friends. Just not going to be your friends. Then some of the people that you do make friends with, they're going to leave you. You might lose contact with them. The best man in my wedding I had lost contact with, he died of COVID, and I didn't even know about it till a month after he died. That's how out of contact I was with him. Sometimes your friends will move away. They do become ill and they get put in nursing homes where you, you, know, you probably don't go visit very much or you can't even go visit. Sometimes they just die and you are just losing contact with them in some other way. So let's be honest, folks. It is not good for us to be alone. I mean, and you can get that straight out of Scripture. Now, that word that is alone there doesn't mean that you don't need alone time. Everybody needs some alone time sometimes. Understand, sometimes you just need to get alone. But what it's saying here is that it is not good for you to be lonely. And these 50% of the people under the age of 45 are saying they're very lonely. Genesis 2.18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. This is the very first time that it's said that something is not good. And what do we find that is not good? That the man is lonely. This is what's going on here. So we should pay attention. This is not a statement about marriage, though I have read this in a lot of marriage ceremonies. But many people will never get married, but it is still not good for them to be lonely. I looked up the statistics on this. The Center for Disease Control reports. First, social isolation significantly increased a person's risk of premature death from all causes, a risk that may rival those of smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity. You realize not having a friend may be the same as smoking like a chimney. You understand what I'm trying to say is not to be lonely in this. Further, it says social isolation was associated with about a 50% increase risk of dementia. Most of us fear the possibility that we'll get dementia. And if we want to make sure we get it, it's almost 50% is a pretty high percentage. You get isolated. Third one, it says poor social relationships. Characterized by social isolation or loneliness was associated with a 29% increased risk of heart disease and a 32% increased risk of stroke. Getting isolated from everybody, becoming lonely. Loneliness was associated with the higher rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide. And loneliness among heart failure patients 
was associated with nearly four times increased risk of death, 68% increased risk of hospitalization, and 57% increased risk of emergency department visits. If there were no other reason in the world for you to make friends, for your health would be a good reason. Just simply that would do it. And so if, and if you do not continue to make friends, if you start saying, I got all the friends I need right now, I'm going to tell you that you will come to a point in your life that if you live long enough, you will die alone and you will be lonely. I find that men have a harder time making friends than women. That's just a general rule. It's not a total rule, but it is a general rule. And I would say to the, to the men, you know, what will happen is you're counting on your wife outliving you. You better not do that. You better not do that. Because when the time comes and your, your wife does not outlive you, you will become extremely lonely if you have not made friends. And for a lot of men, the only real friend they've got is their wife. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? The only real friend they've got. And so I recommend to you that if you find yourself in need of making friends your man, you need to be at the nights of the 21st century on Tuesday nights at 630. You need to be there. You can find your, some friends there if you're a man, and you need to be there. Just be upfront with you about this. So why do you need friends? Well, you need friends in times of trouble. Scripture tells us that. It says in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. You realize that an anonymous person has a difficult time in helping you. An anonymous person doesn't know you, doesn't even know what your needs are. Anonymous person might not even trust you in order to reveal their needs or for you to reveal your needs to them. But a friend, a friend loves at all times. A friend loves you when you're in good shape and when you're in bad shape. I had surgery in Nashville several years ago and a friend from a former church that lived across town because I moved churches across town. He was there for my surgery. And when he got colon cancer, I was there for his surgery. You realize you're there when you're a friend. Now, if any of you have been to my funerals, you know what I do. You know that I always thank the people for coming. You see, when I was first in the ministry, I thought when somebody lost somebody, when somebody died, that I was going to actually say the words that was going to make everything better. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go say something and they're going to say, oh, well, now I feel better now. I don't grieve anymore because of that. And I realized after some real hard attempts that I wasn't going to do that. And that's one of the reasons I don't like open mic for funerals. Because an open mic, many of the people come forward and they think they're going to say something that is going to make them say, oh, well, now that I've lost my husband, you just said some things that make me not even grieve anymore. I'm going to grieve about that anymore. And see, what they do so often is they do inappropriate things. They tell a joke. They think that if people laugh, it's going to make everything better. It doesn't make everything better. But I will tell you that what really makes things better is that you are there. You don't have to say a word, but you are there because a friend is there in that time of adversity. So many times people think they paid the preacher to say the right thing. 
See, I may not even know them that well. And so they get angry with me and sometimes with the church because I can't be that close friend that is going to be there for them all the time that they need me to be when they didn't make any other friends. They need the friends in the church, but they need friends, real friends who will be there. It is a friend who will bring real comfort. Job 2.11 says, Now when Job's three friends heard about all this adversity that had come upon him, they came each one from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Naamahite. And they made an appointment together to come to sympathize with him and comfort him. Understand what has happened here. We have thrown a lot of rocks at these three friends, haven't we? We said about how they have given it. But their purpose was what? Their purpose was to sympathize with him and to comfort him. You see, who is it that is showing up for you when you're hurting? That's your friends. It's probably the same people you will show up for when they're hurting. You need to be there to, just to be there. You need friends to share your innermost thoughts. Jesus shared what he was doing with his friends. You know, he indicated that I wouldn't even share with you guys if you were not my friends. It says in John 15, 15, No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, because all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You see, you need somebody like this. Sharing your intimate thoughts requires trust. You need somebody you can trust like this. Trust is faithfulness plus times. You know, this is the, the person you trust that is willing to accept your trust. You know, one of the main reasons that I don't... If somebody walks down the aisle and they say, I want to share something with the congregation. I don't immediately let them do that. And I don't let them do that unless I know about what they're going to say. Because many times what these people are doing is they're coming down the aisle and they have something to confess. Something they should have confessed to a close friend. But they don't have a close friend. So they decide that they're going to share it with the whole congregation. And you don't need to hear everybody's sins and I don't want to hear all of everybody's sins either. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? They pick the wrong place to do it. And the wrong time to do it as well. See... The friends that you have, you share your deepest and most innermost thoughts. When I was in high school, I had a friend named Mike. Mike and I used to, we used to, we didn't, we didn't go carousing around. We would meet and drink a Coke and sometimes talk for hours. Our topic in high school was girls. We didn't know what we were talking about, but we could do it for hours trying to figure out each one of them and how they were acting and what they were doing and all of that kind of stuff, we did that. It was our innermost thoughts. It gave us comfort. It knit us, knitted us together. So you need friends that you can share your deepest thoughts for it lets you know that you aren't alone. You need friends who will correct you sometimes. I put the sometimes on the ad there on the end there because sometimes they just need to get over it and go on. You don't understand what I'm saying? Not for every little thing that you do. Proverbs 
27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of an enemy, but, dis, uh, but deceitful are the, uh, no, of, the, of a friend. I'm sorry. <clears throat> faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. A true friend is close enough to correct something that you have done wrong. Everybody needs friends that are close enough to tell them they're going in the wrong direction. Just think of it, folks. How dangerous is it for you to drive a car that doesn't have a steering wheel or brakes? You understand what I'm saying? How dangerous would that be to try to drive that car? Well, a friend is the one that helps you sometimes put on the brakes and also steers you in the right direction so you go to the right place. Now, none of us are correct all the time, and we need this. See, and it doesn't have to be about a sin. It could be about a financial decision. It could be about a purchase that you're about to make. I, there is no... YouTube is not a substitute for a friend. You can look on YouTube. They'll give you all advice in the world, but it's not a substitute for a friend. And your friend wants your best, and the correction may sting. But you will be better off with it than without it. See, people without friends are on their own to make their own decisions on their own. See, sometimes we just we can't see where we're going. We just can't see where we're going. We don't aware of what we're doing. We may not be aware of what we're doing with our families, our lives, or even other relationships. Sometimes it's because we're too close to the situation. You see, we can't see the, any other options because these are the only options that we've ever seen in our lives. And so we confirm our decisions rather than discern our decisions when this happens. Nobody has stop me. I will confirm what I'm doing rather than discern my, my, what I'm doing. Sometimes we're too far away from a situation to understand what is going on. And we don't realize what is going on at that moment. We don't even realize that we're creating a problem that we can't see. How many pastors do you know that have had an affair that didn't know it was wrong? They all knew it was wrong. You know what the problem was? They didn't see where they were going. They didn't see where they were going until it was too late. This is the situation. You need a friend that says, stop where you are right now. You're going the wrong direction. Only a friend who is close enough to us can tell us what we need to hear. If someone who is on the outside of our circle of trust tells us something, we disregard it completely. When I was in seminary, I drove a city bus. And I remember I pulled up to a stop and there was a gentleman standing there. And when I opened the door, he called me everything but a child of God. He just was going on and on. And I'm going, I don't know this guy. I don't have a clue what he's talking about. So you know what I did? I said, have a good day. Shut the door and drove him off and left him there on the sidewalk. And the reason was, I didn't know him. He wasn't giving me any advice. He was not close to me in any way. He was not telling me who I was. He didn't know me either. Only a friend is close enough to tell us what we need to hear. He was not. Friends are there to encourage us. Each and every one of us needs somebody to pick us up when we fall down. And I promise you, everybody falls down. Everybody falls down. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. 
For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. See, I've had pastor friends that were so discouraged. So often their pastor friends, they, they isolate themselves, even from their congregations. And what the church often thinks of a pastor, a pastor is supposed to be Jesus. You understand, and none of us are Jesus. And so we lose members, and we struggle with complaints, and we take responsibility for everything that happens, regardless if we had anything to do with it. One pastor friend came to me, and he said to me, in in despair, he says, when I was younger, I was preaching to more people than I am now. In other words, his church was shrinking. He was losing the members. He was losing, you know, everything. And he's, he's going, you know, what's, what's going on here? And I told him, I said, I think you are a picture of faithfulness. You see, it's easy to preach to a crowd, is what I told him. It's when the people leave you, that's when you show who you are. And then I said to him, Jesus revealed who he was when everybody left him. Understand. And I think it picked him up, at least I hope so, and that was the intent. See, people are more likely to become what you encourage them to be than what you nag them to be. There will always be somebody to tell you how bad you are. But your friends are there to pick you up and tell tell you you can get up and you can still do it. You can still go on. For a good friend provides good counsel. You see, that is different from correction. Correction is you're doing something wrong. Counsel is before you do anything. Proverbs 27.9 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad. And a person's advice is sweet to his friend. There was a lady in my in a singles group that I had. And her husband passed away. She was fairly young. She was just in her 40s. And there was another man that came along, not from our church, but from outside our church, and wooed her and won her over, and she married him. Unbeknownst to her is that his business was failing, and because she was well off, he needed her money. Six months later, he asked for a divorce. She was so angry over this. He was going to get half of what her husband had left her. You understand? Now, I will tell you the truth. It wasn't right and it wasn't just. I know that, that he was going to get this. She became obsessed over it. I said to her, is spending your life over what you lost really worth it? Is it really worth it to spend it? I said, let it go and let him be a scoundrel. For in the end, you will still be a lady and he'll still be a scoundrel. Understand. And that may not be justice in the world. And I don't think that we do get true justice in this world. But she let it go. And she did much better in doing so. So what is the purpose of this message? Obviously, I think. So you know you need friends. And obviously, I think. So you know that you would be a friend. You should have friends in church, understand, in your church. You see, people leave church often when they have no friends. If you're in a church that reaches people, 
you know, we can't simply be a friendly church. We've got to be a people that is going to invest in people. You see, we must be a church of friends. Understand that. It's not that hard to grasp. But, you know, if you visit, uh, and that there is, and, and, you know, there is nothing that will make you come back. I understand the Holy Spirit possibly. But there's nothing going to make you come back if you don't have friends who care about you. And the person that leaves must detach themselves from their friends and worshiping with their friends. And that's very, very difficult to do. Instead of being a church that just invites people, we must be a church that invests in people. We must care and show them that we care. Uh, I was in a grocery store a couple of months ago. This really did happen. And there was a verbal fight. You know what I'm talking about? There was these two people. They were screaming at each other. They were yelling and yelling. And everybody in the grocery store stopped and said, hey, this is better than shopping for groceries. Let's watch this fight over here. And so everybody was watching these people. And one of the ladies said to the other ladies, she said, uh, said uh, you're not nice. And the other lady said, I am nice to the people that are nice to me. You realize what she just said. If you're nice to her first, she'll be nice to you. But if you're not nice, I'm going to be nice to you. It seemed right, but it's empty. You see, we must be nice to those who show no niceness to us. If we're ever going to be in the business of seeing people become our friends, sometimes they're not going to be nice. They're just human beings. See, on the other hand, do you need friends? If you go to a class, and I recommend you go to a class. If you make no friends there, go to another. You see, you need to sail your boat with others or the storms are going to sink you. You need these friends. When I came here to this church about 19 years ago, I was having this conversation with Wayne Hatchett. <clears throat> he said, I said to him, Wayne, why are you talking to me? He said, I don't know you, nor do I know anyone who knows you. Do you understand? Usually you go to a church because there's somebody in that church that recommended you. You know somebody there. I knew nobody. I'd never even been to Virginia Beach before. And, you know, I realized, though, God called me here and I had to make friends. And you are my friends. And you became my friends because God wanted me here. But on the other hand, I'm here because you're my friends. Just telling you the way it works. So I ask you, does God want you here? Now, Mac McDuffie, Mac, if you'll come on up here, he's going to give us a testimony. May have nothing to do with what I just said, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Mac's got a dynamic testimony. 